Harvey Voices are an industry-leading voiceover agency. Agency director Emma set up Harvey Voices in 2006 with a simple goal to provide talented actors a good home to allow their voiceover career to flourish while providing a friendly, efficient service to their clients. Hello Emma, how are you today? I'm very well, thank you. Thanks for having me. Not a problem. Thank you so much for coming on. Um, this week on The Essentials, we are discussing voice over agents. This was an episode Christian and I have wanted to do since day dot. And the lovely Emma from Harvey Voices has come on to talk to us today, which is so exciting. And um, we always start every episode of The Essentials with a sort of definition question to really um, settle on exactly what we're talking about. So I'd love to ask you, Emma, what is a voice over agent? I hope I get this right. <laughs> a voiceover agent would be an agent who specialises in the realm of voiceovers. So that might cover anything from anim animation, video games, audiobooks, commercials, even like telephone messaging systems and stuff everyone hates. Oh, yeah. um, ADR, additional dialogue recordings, just about everything on the commercial side of voiceover to do with using your voice we look after yeah that, that's fantastic and um is that the case because um in terms of commercial side as you uh, as you specified there that a lot of the time an actor's acting agent is generally the person that puts them up for audio dramas is that the case or have I got that wrong yeah no that's right um audio drama is something I don't do much of at all um maybe sometimes I've had people that aren't represented by anybody else and might do a radio play but it's really not what we do and I'm never really casting for anything like that. It's always the acting agent. Absolutely. And I'd love to ask uh, the differences in the casting process for a voiceover project, a commercial voiceover project, as opposed to the traditional process we'd see in a stage or screen. Uh, screen? That was great. Screen? Stage or well, screen audition process. <laughs> um, well, I would probably say a lot of them are a lot faster. It can be really quick, especially if it's a radio ad or, you know, they've already shot the commercial and everything's ready to go and they really quickly want a voiceover. So I might get a brief in at 10 a.m. Um, cast from Reels or someone does a really quick self-tape and they might be in the studio or in a home studio now um, within a couple of hours and it might play out the next day. So it's really fast, which I kind of love. Um, mm. But then there's also quite a similar more of a dramatic style thing like maybe animation or video games you, you go through a similar process to um not envision so much but um a similar time frame i think and a similar process to the other side of things do you think getting va work when you're unrepresented is harder than getting acting acting work when you don't have an agent and if so why is that possibly yes probably i would like to, not like to think so but i would think it would help or be beneficial to have an agent and there's lots of benefits to having an agent and I think you would have hopefully access to a greater volume of work or maybe a better quality of work bigger briefs more mm. exciting jobs I think you know there is a lot of voiceover directories or pay-to-play websites where you might subscribe and audition that way if you're unrepresented I really mm. don't know much of that side of things because I'm an agent, <laughs> but um, <laughs> I, I, I always tend, if anyone's passed anything, they've got, 
had in through that kind of a source. It's usually the lower end of the scale, maybe corporate or not that there's anything wrong with corporate, but, you know, it's not maybe so much of the premium side of things. And I would say having a good agent, you might have better access to that kind of work. It doesn't mean to say the volume of work that you would get booked for is any better, but you have access to it, I think. Yeah. And as you said there, yes, absolutely. As you said there, you are an agent, but you, you weren't always an agent. You, um, you had quite an interesting journey leading up to founding Harvey Voices in 2006. And it uh, says it on your website that you, you worked in costume design and, the, and then advertising. Uh, what motivated you to set up Harvey Voices and become a voiceover agent? Well, I was terrible at costume. <laughs> <laughs> no matter how much I loved it. I think they still, or they were, for years after I left Central School of Speech and Drama, because that's where I trained, I think they were teaching people how not to do costume by using bits of my work that wasn't really an option I'm a much better agent I would think so uh yeah I I left I did quite well actually with the costume thing I did a couple of years freelancing and then money necessity of paying your bills and stuff I ended up getting an office job which evolved and then I worked at radio advertising bureau so I was working with radio producers and radio creatives and eventually decided to do radio production, which then led on to casting. And then I got the opportunity. Um, there was a lady who ran another voiceover agents, uh, agency, was leaving. She was moving to Spain. So it all kind of just clicked together at the same time. It was like, it happened quite quickly over a few weeks. And then all of a sudden, I just had the opportunity to set up a little agency. And I didn't really expect it to grow as quick as it did but I'm very happy that it did that's really fascinating that, that you answer in, yeah that, that you that you sort of inherited that space that you were you were able to make your own were there any things that you learned in your work with the radio producers that um really were like were there any instances or aspects of the subject that really made you you know try not to sound dramatic sort of fall in love with that side of the industry go yeah voiceover is where I want to be for whatever reason I love this I want to do this sort of I mean because I come through central and I'd worked with all the actors on quite a lot of shows anyway I really enjoyed working with actors and mm. whilst I was trying to find my feet and realizing that costume wasn't going to be a viable option yeah. um I did actually apply to lots and lots of agents uh trying to get in a foot in the door and, and no one would have me so oh. then I went off around the houses to into the production and stuff so yeah by running these training courses and working with the creatives there was some handy stuff of maybe what not to do or what to expect and mostly with radio to be honest because that's what the radio the RAB was all about and the aerial awards so a little bit not a lot I was just going to ask about, I know that when you have a voice reel, more often than not, you send that off, they hear it, and then you get cast from that. Do you think that with that said, voice reels are essential to actually getting VO work? And what makes a good reel? Oh, definitely. You, I can't contemplate taking on anyone really without having listened to the reels and because people, the way people talk and, and, and you're real, it sounds completely different. And yeah. so voiceovers is still cast from reels and you can send a reel off and 
you know, whether you have to do a test or you go in straight away to do the job, that's really all the calling card you've had because most of the time they're not that interested in your IMDb profile. They just want the right voice for the job. So if you don't have a good reel, it's really hard for me to sell you in. Well, impossible, I would say. So, yeah. Uh, and for differences of reels or what makes a good reel, everyone really wants to do different types of voiceover work. So if you're really into doing audio books, then read an audio book that you love and make sure that the reel is the best of that kind of calling card for that specific type of work. Um, I look for good commercial reels that show off tone and sort of light and shade of delivery rather rather more than a heap of accents I'm really just looking how your versatile your own natural voices and how many places that could be slotted into over different genres yeah I'd, I'd love to ask you about um to quickly touch on, on a sort of double header they're completely unrelated so we'll do one and then I'll say another I've got a tendency to ask about three questions at once that really annoy people so I, I will not do that you um you mentioned accents there as not necessarily what you need is that because most of the time these days especially with voiceover being you know a lot of the time done in home studios now where they don't need someone to be local to a London studio they're always going to go for the legit accent so if you are from Scotland you stick to your Scottish voice you will get those Scottish parts and then if you sound RP like myself stick to that voice and find the work that fits you rather than trying to adapt yourself to different jobs yeah, uh, 99% of the time, I would say that's correct. I mean, versatility is brilliant. And if you can do a, a heap of accents and character voices, great. But it is just sticking to who you are and using your voice the best. There's no point shoehorning your voice into Northern Irish um, because they'll just, they will just cast somebody from Northern Ireland or from Cork or, you know, as specific as mm. they need to get. So it's great that you can do loads of accents and sometimes it comes in handy maybe on a radio ad they've got 10 different people um characters on a radio ad they might want you to do two or three of them great you'll have a, a chance at doing an accent but most of the time you're just going to be booked for your voice yeah i imagine mm. as well that if you're in a recording booth with a microphone right in front of your face or in your home studio it's so much more exposing to your accent as well like it can't just be a pretty good yorkshire accent it would have to be spot on otherwise you know anyone would be able to tell it, it it's not legit i'd love to quickly ask you on um another question on voice reels we covered what makes a good one i'd love to know if there are any um because i'm sure you listen to so many when you when actors submit their reels to you are there any common mistakes or pitfalls people fall in when making a reel especially i presume when they make their own well terrible accents <laughs> someone <Yeah>. sent <laughs> going I'm great at all these accents and actually they hardly nailed any of them you know that would really put me off because you know you need an ear and you need to know what you sound great at and a lot of people think they're much better at doing accents than they actually are and I'm Scottish and I can spot an, a non-Scottish accent a mile off so I'm overly sensitive to that but you need you need good accents and what else maybe too long maybe a bit too dull or Bringing, um, bringing brands in that maybe haven't been around for 20 years. You know, not that it has to be topical, but you don't really want to be going on about a brand that was really big 20 years ago, maybe gone bust or something. You know, you want to keep your reels really 
entertaining and engaging and dynamic and lots of sparkle really when appropriate and uh trying engage really is the the main aim of the game and you don't have long to do it yeah yeah uh, i'd love to Sorry, ask just... oh, oh no, no, i'm just gonna butt in one time <laughs> on, is that um <laughs> with uh one more question um well we're, i think we're gonna have two on reels but um is the idea that you can go get you know your audio reels done for you professionally and we've spoken to fran chance from real recordings on our episode on voice reels and we're quite biased in favor of going to see an individual especially herself and i know that um you two are aware of each other too and so this is probably a pretty foregone conclusion in terms of the answer but would you recommend people go and get a voice reel commercially done uh, because actors are quite notoriously tight i think we can all acknowledge that so it's a, is it of real benefit to go out and get your reel properly recorded Yes, I would say so, because then you have, if you've gone to someone lovely like Fran, um, you get her experience, her ear, she'll help you develop the scripts that you want, and she'll be able to give you instant feedback and maybe point out a different choice or a different way of delivering a line that will just lift it and make it more professional sounding. Um so someone like Fran is great and there's other people that might specialise more in video game reels like Martin at Sonic Pond to give him a shout out. He's brilliant. Mm. Um, and he he's a real gamer and he's an actor and he produces fantastic video game reels, I think. And people have done really well off the back of them. And there's only a few people that I've worked over 15 years that can self-produce and direct their own reels to a standard that's really good enough that that works that will pull the work in maybe two or three that are really good everyone else pretty much needs direction and help and assistance and there's nothing wrong with that yes you have to pay a little bit of money i guess but it's a really worthwhile investment because you're competing against so many other people all for the same roles so you want the best chance and that would be through using someone like Fran or Martin or any any of the others that are brilliant. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Both myself and Matt went to uh, Fran and just uh, her selection of pieces to suit your voice as well. So valuable. Yeah, and it really was helped. my first time in a studio as well when I was with her and then herself and the lovely sound engineer on the day made me feel so comfortable in recording it. And as you said, Emma spotted things in my voice that I wasn't even aware I was doing to mm-hmm. alter ever so slightly it was brilliant yeah and just that slight tweak slight change can really lift it and all of a sudden you've got a banging voiceover reel that's going to grab you a few nice campaigns and mm. it's invaluable so spend a little bit wisely with the right person that you're really comfortable with and hopefully reap the rewards really for sure just sticking with reels um, so you can get a commercial reel or an audio drama reel. Would you recommend one over the other? And should every VO actor have both or just just stick with one? Or a video game uh, reel, as you said there. Yeah, I'm never really looking for audio drama. Audio books, I like to hear now. Because mm-hmm. um, it's a, that's a completely different skill set. And it's nice to have that if they want to do voice um, audio book. Um, commercial reel, definitely a nice narrative or documentary piece. Um, there's a, it used to be quite, voiceover was very selly, uh, big, and had like very obvious 
patterns and how people spoke, but it's really changed over the last few years. And now there's a lot more emphasis on conversational, natural, maybe even whimsical, spoken word, poetry, all those, that range of stuff is great to hear in a reel. So if you can squish that into your commercial reel as well, or your narrative, that would be lovely. Um, and if you're really into doing video games, that's again, completely different skill set. It's quite a dramatic role, usually under stressful situations. <laughs> so mm. you might be shooting or being shot at or whatever the reel might come up with. But that's great. Animation as well, different styles. Whatever you want to do and whatever you think lends itself best to your voice and get your reel done for that. Yeah. You sort of um, answered my next question in that answer by talking about how, you know, there's a bigger call out for different sounding voices these days. And um, because there's a sort of a false narrative, I think, amongst some people before they've even tried voiceover that, oh, I don't have an incredible sounding voice. I don't sound like that dude that does all the cinema trailers or I don't um, sound like I could sell M&S chocolate. No one's ever going to hire me for voiceover. Do you need an incredible sounding voice to get into VO or... Can anyone make the case to um, to get work with their voice? No, most voice, voiceovers are naturalistic and everyone's cast from every walk of life and it's even more diverse than it's ever been with regards to gender, race, accent. Um, and, you know, you, can, you don't need to have, uh, like, I've got Red Pepper on the books, who's, you know, Mr. Voiceover trailer, huge, deep voice. You don't have to have that at all. He's done brilliantly because his voice is amazing. But most people, you know, they just you want someone to play a soldier in a video game or a pirate or um, just sound like the bloke down the pub in a commercial. Um, so you just need to find your own voice and accentuate it in a way that's very attractive to agents and people casting directors producers yeah there you go matt man down the pub just for you <laughs> ready to go you know me strawberry daiquiri <laughs> oh, well. um less about that um emma you say that you want to provide talented actors with a home for their voice what do you mean by that oh, uh, what do i mean i think i mean well a home is supposed to be a safe space you know and it's somewhere that you are comfortable with and maybe you're loved and nurtured not to get too gushy but just a, a safe welcoming friendly place to nurture talent and to try and advise and grow someone's career as best I can within this scope and within the realm that I kind of work over so that's all it is really I'd love to ask about um, uh, submissions from actors to try and get representation. And um, at the time of recording the podcast, your your books are closed at the moment in time. And um, actors, including ourselves, we, we do love you. But please respect when an agent says their books are closed because it's not going to do you any favours um, emailing now. But um, we'd love to ask you, Emma, what makes a good submission to you? an agent whether that's the email the subject line of the email the timing it's sent the contents the reel all those bits and bobs okay um i get about 10 to 20 a day and yeah. that's with me saying everywhere is that 
everywhere that the books are closed and oh. so um and it's tough because you, you i would love to represent more and more people but i really do need to just look after people in the books so um what would make a good one don't send me something uh on a sunday <laughs> uh, with 89 files that i didn't ask for um don't name the email with another voiceover name i get that a lot people just sort of what with a different agent yeah, I get that a lot. Just or or dear sirs or you know someone who's clearly not even looked at who runs the agency. Never mind having a look to see if they think they could fit fit with the agency or you know uh, that kind of thing really is slightly irritating. It takes up a huge amount of my time to yeah. even just to say no. You know, I always try and respond or. Uh, Louise, who works for me, always tries to respond, and we don't because we. I respect that everyone's just trying to get on and doing their best, but at the same time, it's really difficult for me to manage the the swamping of emails and phone calls I get daily, uh, requesting representations. So just go easy on me. Yeah, <laughs> I just. I think we th- this type of um, email incident has come up in multiple podcasts that we've recorded with people, where their agents, casting directors, or whatever, where people say, "Yeah, the subject line is a different agent," or it just says, "Dear whoever." And I think we're we're on a sort of two man mission now to to improve emailing skills across the industry because it's not it's not difficult. I know occasionally everyone makes a mistake where you accidentally click the send button when you are writing a new email or something like that. That does happen, but very rarely. I I think on the whole, people just need to do better with that because it's it's a learnable skill and it's not a difficult one. So hopefully you'll get some better emails in the future. That would be lovely. I'd like to quickly ask you that actors are told um, sometimes to um, invite agents to shows that they're in to consider them for representation. And I know it's it's always lovely to get invited to the theatre, but is this the case for voiceover agents as well? Or is your sort of standard voice reel submission with an email to the right agent the main and only way to get representation for as a VO artist? Um, I've been to a few showcases, especially the ones at Central. Um, I like popping back there and seeing what's going on um but i would say that really the only way to be represented would be to send me an email or maybe there's a secret but maybe get someone on the books that you know to give me a nudge and then Mm. i might um perk up and realize when the emails come in with the real and it's nice that someone knows somebody on the books it's already kind of a, a recommendation so that's nice if you can but uh, yeah, show reels for me, not uh, showcases for me, not so much. Although I do, I will from time to time have a look. But then I'd still have to ask for professional reels to listen to to make a proper decision. Emma, I know some actors who aren't good sight readers or maybe have dyslexia might find the idea of VO work very intimidating because of the you know the speed of it. What advice would you be able to give them to dispel those worries? because it does happen so quickly, doesn't it? It's, you can be have the send your tape across one day and then you could be in the studio two days later. Well, it doesn't always have to happen like that. And mm. if someone's got a particular issue or says, I need extra prep time, 
then no problem. We'll we'll manage the extra prep time somehow. You might not be the person to call in on the same day within an hour to sort it. That's fine. You'll be good for something else and we'll give you the prep time. And I've looked after a few people with dyslexia. And again, we tell the client, we manage their expectations. We maybe allow for an extra half hour or something for the session. And also with dyslexics, uh, yellow paper, I think, is a favourite. If the script is printed on yellow paper, it's much easier or it might it might differ to who the dyslexic person is. But if you have your script printed on coloured paper of your choice, it really helps. And I've got a dyslexic actress who does audiobooks now. And as long as she's got it on the yellow paper, it really helps her out and things go a lot smoother. Oh, that's really good to know that that's, that's available to people. Yeah, a lot well, of and work with, you know, sight reading is not everyone's favourite thing in the world, but you no. can learn. It's a, it's a learnable skill and we'll just take a note of it and try and give you a bit extra time where we can. That's great. And what, what tips would you, in general, would you give to VO artists off to do their first job or who are you know very early in their career? whether with their literal technique, prep, mentality, that sort of thing? Uh, always try and get the script if you can. Sometimes it's not possible until you get to the studio. But get to the studio a little bit early or make sure you're in the studio vicinity in lots of time. Go and grab a water. I wouldn't recommend being highly caffeinated or drunk. <laughs> 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 I've had that before. I've had someone turn up a bit worse for wear. Um, so yeah, maybe don't wear jangly jewelry. Don't wear your best crisp, crunchy designer jacket with 23 zips on it. Just (laughs) think about noise, uh, that you might make accidentally in the studio. So no jewelry, uh, quiet clothes. Don't have any chocolate or dairy, um, and do vocal warm-ups before you leave the house. Open your lungs up, especially if it's a, a morning VO and you're, you know, a bit groggy. Before you leave the house, really do some vocal warm-ups, get those lungs working and just do as much logical prep like that you can so that you can make yourself feel ready as you can. So when you get there, you're calm and prepared and just ready to walk into the studio and deliver the perfect voiceover. Yeah, I mean, turning up drunk with a very zippy jacket is just, oh man, I can't imagine anything worse. Oh Lord. Um, I'd love to ask, um, as you say, you know, turning up to a studio is a thing you go out and you do a voiceover a job at a studio, but in the past year, of course, and then I think going forward, the idea of a home studio, a home setup of some sort is going to be much more important. Um, is that the case? And do you think you also have to basically break the bank to get a good enough sound quality or are there ways to do it on a bit more of a budget that would still get used professionally? Okay, so it's definitely been a benefit to people who've got great high-spec home studios already set up at home. Obviously, it's the last year it's been invaluable and we've managed to do a lot of voiceover work that way. Um There are some people in the books who have continued doing national TV ads by being sent equipment. The agency who's booked them has arranged for the sound studio to send them equipment out to the house and they've built their own makeshift sofa den 
duvet den, pillow den, and got in there with some high quality mics, and they not had to pay for anything. So that's work. That's that's work to treat. Um, and I think if you're really serious about voiceovers and you want to start spending a little bit of money and and stuff, there's lots of advice online. There's lots of companies that will help and guide you. Don't think you need to spend thousands and thousands until it might be really worth your while. Um, a good USB mic with a pop shield and some sort of soundproofing. Um, I'm not actually brilliantly technical on the sound <laughs> type thing, but there are lots of people who are and who can help. And I would say a bit like the reels, you know, spend as much as you comfortably can. Don't make yourself into a heap of debt over it um, and just just take it step by step. You can always add a bit more to your sound studio as you go and the more that you work. Um, but we'll find a way around it. I've, I've found studios for people all the way throughout lockdowns and I've kept everybody working and somehow there's a solution somewhere getting somebody some equipment. So mm. it's not essential, but it can be beneficial. Yeah, I think no one can accuse us individuals in this industry for not being adaptable at times. I think we're we're very adaptable in, in, in the way we work. It's fantastic to see you overcoming those obstacles and, and the idea of getting a lovely fresh equipment sent to you to record a, an ad at home. That's a that's a very cushy job. I love the sound of that. Um, I'd love to you sort of briefly mentioned there that there are, you know, um, people that you can learn from online and there, and there are resources available. Um do you find yourself recommending any actors on your books um, ways to keep them in shape for um, for voiceover work? So things they can practice at home, maybe specific books or courses or warm ups or or any of the like. I know a lot of it's self explanatory. You know, keep your voice in good condition, do your vocal warm ups, and practice on your mic. But is there is there anything else you can you can add that you know that either people that are on your books or actors that are professional voiceover artists should do, or those that are considering becoming professional voiceover artists should do? Hmm. Uh, there's nothing, nothing really that I recommend on a daily basis. I mean, if you're, you know, work on whatever you're least confident in. So if it's the sight reading part, keep practicing that. Or if you do have a little home studio, send me new little bits of reels or, um, a little monologue or I've just someone sent me a beautiful poetry read the other day and it's so lovely and it happened that a brief came in and I sent it in saying this is great and the casting director absolutely loved it and it's a huge campaign and fingers crossed that just because he just happened to record this beautiful bit of poetry for me he might you know secure the deal with a, a big ad campaign which would be perfect. so just keep keep working at it it's like a it's a skill and it's evolving and i'm always interested to hear um new reels or new materials from people on the books because it's great for a bit of a refresh if it needs it or i can put it online somewhere and say hey this person's got this new character reel check it out and you and you never know so i would say that and there are lots of places on online lots of companies that do kickstart voiceover stuff and advice and how to get into it and there is an advice page on my website as well yes. going to FAQs and it's becoming a voice um you'll find our advice page on there so that's a good place to start as well 
Yeah, I was um, prepping there. We we do prep sheets for everyone that we um, that we interview. So we we um, write down a long list of lovely questions. And in the process of doing that, we obviously do our research. And going on your website, I saw that FAQ page, and it is so beautifully written and in depth. So anyone that's looking for basic um, FAQ voiceover advice, go straight to the Harvey Voices page on that one. It also did give me a little bit of a, a fit going, oh no, all the questions I want to ask are already answered here. So I've got to come up with some new ones, but definitely head over to that page right now, actors. It's it's fantastic. Good. I'm glad someone likes it. <laughs> Emmy, you're just talking about um, sometimes just things need refreshing. I know like actors need new headshots sort of every year or new show reels. How often do VO artists get new voice reels? It might just really depend on are their current reels working for them. So maybe it's apparent that no matter what I've put you up for, because it is so competitive that you might get down to the last two or three, but there's something just not quite clicking. It can be luck as well, but if over a long period of time you, you haven't uh, gotten anywhere, then I would say let's have a, a big refresh, let's have a rethink. Is there something we're missing? What can we add that would help, basically? Because we need to try and figure that out. Um, there was another part to your question. I can't remember it. Uh, neither can I. <laughs> I asked um, how often people should change their, uh, maybe just their material. Do you think it's like a, it could be a tonality thing or it could be the material isn't working for them? Yeah, some. I mean, stuff can just start to sound dated because yeah. it, it's past its sell-by date, really. And fashions for voiceovers go in and out. And also someone's voice might really change. You know, if you've been smoking for a day for three years, you're probably <laughs> going to sound slightly grittier or have a bit more gravitas than you did three years ago. So... You know, if you're now 50 and you've still got voiceovers um, that you've recorded in your late 30s or something, it's probably time for a refresh and let's, let's because we're going to go after different types of work for you, let's let's do it and again. And then presumably as well, if, if, if you are doing well, you'll be adding the material that you've recorded as long as you've got the uh, copyright ability to do so to your reel or you would if you couldn't do that presumably if you're looking at re-recording a reel you'd re-record it along the lines of the jobs that you seem to be booking is that the case yeah, yeah definitely as you go and the more stuff you get you can always ask for copies or sometimes it's not always possible but we definitely do add real life stuff in amongst the the mock reels or the the so the voiceover reels that we've got on the website um yeah so it's just it's evolving everything evolves everything changes from year to year from month to month and it's just kind of keeping up on top of it and if it's not working out let's try something else yeah I'd love to quickly ask you as well on your InVision uh, department at Harvey Voices, your acting department, which is ran by um, Theo George. Um, when and why did you set up an InVision acting department? Where did that come from? Um, well, I've always looked after a few people in the books that I've never had acting agents. So like, I've always had Fred Pepper since day one, and he's had no other agents. So we uh, he's occasionally booked envision commercials and guest appearances and all that kind of thing and then I had the opportunity to work with Theo he was 
up for it at the right time. So we just thought it's a nice addition. You know, I think some acting agents have now added on voiceover departments, especially in the last year, I think, because it's uh, handy. It's another string to your revenue and it's new skills for us and new contacts and stuff. So it's just been been fun to do although I didn't do a lot during covid lockdown so mm. I'm, I'm my lucky stars I did voiceovers primarily yeah I've noticed lots of agencies adding adding video work on to diversify yeah, yeah. um I just want to ask about your plans for both yourself and Harvey Voices in the future uh maybe I, I do a podcast I've quite enjoyed this <laughs> yeah yeah brilliant <laughs> Um, to just continue, I'd like to grow the management side of things because it is quite new. It was only 2019 that I set up and it mm. did stall a little bit because of the whole COVID lockdown restrictions, which is understandable. So, you know, pushing on with that and just getting better and better with the voiceover side of things. I've been doing it 15 years and it doesn't seem like five and there's still lots of things we can do better and and stuff to look forward to so not a huge change just more of more of the same really but better <laughs> I think that's a I think that's a good motto to sort of end on isn't it is more of the same but better and the and the idea that we um are always learning always improving I think that's that's what we can all do and um as you said Emma you you've seemed to have quite enjoyed your time speaking to us and we have loved speaking to you it's been a real pleasure we've learned a lot so thank you so much and we'll let you go away and have a lovely rest of your evening so thank you for coming on no problem thank you thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast we hope you enjoyed it and learned something look forward to having you back in the room